Well, the Zionists succeeded in murdering or expelling more than 80% of the people of Palestine in that very brief episode in 1948. Uh, and most of those people ended up languishing in de facto camps, concentration camps, really, in some cases. Uh, and their descendants have been in camps, uh, including the de, de facto concentration camps like the Gaza Strip uh, ever since. So this uh, horrendous uh, genocide against the population of Palestine, which is again accelerating, it's been a nonstop slow motion genocide since 1948. And then again, it kind of ramped up in 1967 when the Zionists invaded their neighbors and stole a lot more land. Uh, and now it's ramped up again with this uh, attempted genocide of Gaza. Now, is why is this harmful for the United States? Well, let's you know go, go back to 1948, and the president was Harry Truman. Uh, he was mobbed up. He was friends with a Pendergast mob, and his Jewish organized crime friends handed him two million dollars in cash in a suitcase in return for his support for creating the state of Israel. The entire State Department issued a very very strong, uh, basically almost an order to Truman to. <laughs> Uh, do, do not recognize Israel. This will this will create unending bloodshed and chaos in the region, and America will be dragged in forever. And this will be the worst thing that could ever happen to American national interests. And uh, the military leaders, every single important military leader and advisor, said the same thing. So the entire establishment of experts in foreign policy. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday. We have a good show for you today. Uh, and a little housekeeping. If you're new to the channel, um, we have a website. You can read about who our guests are coming up in the past, get the social media platforms, everything else. So let me do a quick screen share and show you where that is. And the URL is your-mp as in marketplace.com your-mp.com and we've got um, a few things here go over to the your media hub tab and you will see our wednesday and thursday shows wednesday is on health freedom and health health business politics and today's thursday show is is a broader a broader show we cover a lot more issues more out there from uh zionism is fine for individuals but not government to flat earther you can read about our guests the topics right here go down a little bit you'll see who the guests are coming up and then uh our channels our video uh where we post our videos bit shoot brady on forget youtube especially today and Rumble. Rumble's kind of our main, I think, main channel these days. So both shows there. And uh, and that's it. We do recommend you subscribe to both because a lot of times we have crossover uh, or because of scheduling. So you'll get to see who's coming and you don't have to go to our website. It'll come right to your email box as if you don't have enough already. <laughs> so with that, Charlie, why don't you uh, introduce our topic and, and guest? Sure. And you know, what's fun about edgy guests is 
you always wonder who, who you're going to trigger. And I think in today's day of conflict and great resets, cognitive dissonance is the order of the day. And we need to bravely cover all the big issues, even those that folks don't want talked about. And we've, we've already done that uh, with, um, you know, Zionist influence or, you know, Jewish power questions. In fact, let me share my screen. Uh, last year, one of our most viewed shows uh, was, in fact, uh, a mutual friend of ours. Um, let me try to hide the meeting control so I can see what I'm doing. And right here, if you scroll down on our most viewed shows, uh, you'll see about number 20 is E. Michael Jones. He got almost 1,000 views. That was when Kanye West uh, was re rebelling against um, Jewish influence in Hollywood. We brought in the Culture Magazine editor, E. Michael Jones, to talk about that conflict between the Christian West and the Jewish power over the past century. And a lot of folks don't want to talk about that, but, you know, we, we do. Because uh, the more you censor an issue, the more curious folks are to get the truth. And one of the best people, people to discuss this uh, is uh, Kevin Barrett. And the reason he has actually presented before is uh, he, he speaks in a balanced manner on the Israeli question. And for, for timely reasons, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., as I wrote in the alert for today, was asked by Dave Smith, a prominent libertarian uh, comic, about whether Israel had too much influence in America's government. And Kennedy paused for a good five seconds. Uh, you know, some folks paused and are careful in their answers, but the pause was was what's called a pregnant pause because everyone knows there is uh, excessive disproportionate influence uh, from that group uh, in our government. And it's something our founders didn't want. They wanted to have non-interventionism and a simple, clean government uh, that was not tainted by influence from foreign interests or special interests. And of course, our government is controlled by special interests of every variety now. Uh, and so to have a restore, restoration of a republic, uh, we have to restore the founder's dream to have a government that does not intervene in foreign fights uh, that have that are not, none of our business. Um, Kevin Barrett is an, an editor uh, of Veterans Today. He writes at the UNS Review. Uh, the best place to find him is, is at his Substack, the best social media platform for uh, longer uh, form writing. Um, you should watch his weekly Rumble show, uh, the False Flag Weekly News, which is fantastic. He goes through all the big stories. And, you know, he's a former college professor who was fired for some reason, they'll tell us. But now he goes by uh, the moniker Truth Jihad. And he did convert to Islam. And we know what's going on in Gaza. Uh, you know, a lot of us maybe want to support Israel, but not any of the uh, genocide. But, um, you know, Zionist dream has always implied a need to remove the native population in the Levant. Uh, so... I don't think American taxpayers should be put on put in hock uh, for that kind of of operation. And now, 
the intervening on one side of the Israeli-Arab conflict is uh, endangering us because the terrorists get angry and want to fight back, which is natural. And Kevin, why don't you take it away from here and say whatever's on your mind and go to Q&A. All right. Well, thanks, Charlie and Jim. Uh, good to be back with you guys. So the, the topic is Israel's harmful influence on the United States. And of course, I suppose I could talk for many hours about that, but I'll, I'll kind of boil it down for 15 minutes and maybe, you know, where do you even start? I guess, you know, some people might start back with the foundation of the Federal Reserve in World War I uh, and argue that Zionists had a hand in that undermining of the Republic. But I'll, I'll start in 1948 when the state of Israel was created uh, by an act of genocide. The Zionist uh, leaders had always known that to have a Jewish state in Palestine, they would have to kill and or expel the native Palestinians. They didn't advertise that too blatantly, but they, they said it many times in so many words. Now the average ordinary Zionists, maybe a lot of them didn't know that. So there were people who went Palestine, Jews went to Palestine, thinking this is all a wonderful thing and we'll, you know, we'll cooperate with people there and such. But the leadership knew that it was a genocidal product project from the very beginning. And so in 1948, when the Zionists began massacring the local Arab population, going from village to village and uh, bayoneting everybody to death, uh, raping the women and then killing them uh, and committing these horrific atrocities, most, most famous village that got that treatment was Deir Yassin, but there were a few hundred actually uh, that suffered from this. And these atrocities were widely advertised by the Zionists themselves. They would go with sound trucks to the next village after they had murdered everybody in a village uh, and raped all the women and killed them. Uh, they would go to the next village with the sound trucks and tell people, you know, get out or else, and then, you know, strafe them from the air as they were fleeing. So this was the Nakba, the, the genocidal ethnic cleansing of Palestine. And it was, it was considerably after the Zionists had begun this genocide that the Arab armies, the Arab countries in the region uh, declared war on, on the Zionists and came in to try to save the Palestinian people from genocide. Well, the Zionists succeeded in murdering or expelling more than 80% of the people of Palestine in that very brief episode in 1948. Uh, and most of those people ended up languishing in de facto camps, concentration camps really, in some cases, uh, and their descendants have been in camps, uh, including the de, de facto concentration camps like the Gaza Strip uh, ever since. So this uh, horrendous uh, genocide against the population of Palestine, which is again accelerating, it's been a nonstop slow motion genocide since 1948. And then again, it kind of wrapped up in 1967 when the Zionists invaded their neighbors and stole a lot more land. Uh, and now it's ramped up again with this uh, attempted genocide of Gaza. Now, is why is this harmful for the United States? Well, let's you know go, go back to 1948, and the president was Harry Truman. Uh, he was mobbed up. He was friends with a Pendergast mob, and his Jewish organized crime friends handed him two million dollars in cash in a suitcase in return for his support for creating the state of Israel. The entire State Department issued a very very strong, uh, basically almost an order to Truman to. <laughs> Uh, do, do not recognize Israel. This will, this will create 
unending bloodshed and chaos in the region and America will be dragged in forever. And this will be the worst thing that could ever happen to American national interests. And uh, the military leaders, every single important military leader and advisor said the same thing. So the entire establishment of experts in foreign policy told Truman, do not even think about <laughs> supporting this uh, so-called state of Israel that, that these crazy genocidal Zionists are trying to create. But Truman, with that $2 million of cash in the suitcase, and the source on that is Gore Vidal through John F. Kennedy, uh, went ahead and, you know, he also said, you know, there aren't any Arab voters here. You know, the Jews can get me elected. And indeed they did. He won a surprise victory in, 2000, in, in 1948 uh, based on that money and that support from the uh, wealthy uh, American Zionists. So the American political process was already corrupted at that point just by this you know, grabbing American support for the creation of the Zionist entity. And then it got worse. Uh, the Zionists didn't completely take over the U.S. during the 1950s. President Eisenhower was still somewhat independent of them. And so when the Zionists teamed up with Britain and France uh, in the Suez War, uh, Eisenhower was able to tell them to go home. And so Eisenhower sided with the Arabs, that is the people of the region uh, at that time. When John F. Kennedy came into office, expectations were that he was going to side with the Arabs uh, even more strongly. He was, of course, he, he had to give lip service to Jewish power to get elected in 1960. But the Kennedy family was well known to be, quote unquote, anti-Semitic. And John F. Kennedy strongly leaned towards supporting the independence of Algeria and the other Arab causes. And Kennedy's perhaps number one uh, priority uh, in his brief presidency was nuclear non-proliferation, starting with preventing Israel from getting nuclear weapons. And that's probably the single biggest reason why he was murdered. So U.S. support for Israel led to yet another level of corruption, the murder of, of a president. Uh, similar things were happening here in France. I'm, I'm speaking right now from Paris. And de Gaulle, the great French leader who led the French resistance, that was also targeted by basically the same forces that killed President Kennedy in the United States. And de Gaulle narrowly escaped more than one assassination attempt uh, by the same people, because de Gaulle also sided with the Arabs against the Zionists. And he ended up being overthrown in a color revolution in 1968. Uh, so France also was badly harmed. There's a whole parallel story to how France was ruined by its, uh, its Zionists as well. So then uh, in, in 1967, the Zionists, through their controlled asset, Lyndon Johnson, America's first Jewish president, according to the major Jewish magazine at the time, uh, supported the Zionists in their war of aggression to steal territory from, uh, from neighboring countries. And indeed, collaborated with the Zionists on a plan to drag the U.S. into that war through murdering all more than 300 sailors on the USS Liberty. President Johnson was a de facto Israeli agent and agreed to that plan to murder American sailors. He even has been quoted by witnesses as saying that I want that goddamn ship on the bottom. That is, he wanted all 300 American sailors to die um, uh, under this Israeli attack that was going to be falsely blamed on Egypt. So uh, we could also mention that in 1968, uh, John F. Kennedy's brother, Robert, 
was murdered by a Palestinian patsy? Well, no, he wasn't. The Palestinian patsy, Sirhan Sirhan, was hypnotized into firing shots at random in Kennedy's presence. Uh, it was merely a distraction. And the uh, professional gunman uh, shot uh, Robert Kennedy from behind, from point-blank range. One would think that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. today would understand just from the fact that they picked a Palestinian patsy uh, who killed his father. And maybe he does understand that. And maybe that's why he's so terrified of the Zionists that he pretends to be more Zionist than thou, or professes to be. Uh, so that level of corruption of the American political process, these are sort of the highlights, but there's been ongoing uh, corruption throughout all of these years, throughout subsequent decades. There's been you know, pushing and shoving to see how, how much the Zionists can get from the American government. Uh, in terms of money, they've got they, they extracted over a trillion dollars from the United States by the early 2000s, according to the Christian Science Monitor, and that doesn't count the seven trillion dollars spent on the 9/11 wars for Israel. And so let's we'll, we'll skip all of the 70s, 80s, and 90s uh, shenanigans. And here we are on September 11, 2001, uh, the biggest false flag operation in history run by Israel and Israel's assets, the neoconservatives in the United States, once again, uh, grossly corrupted the American political process, uh, to say the least, and led to that theft of essentially six to seven trillion dollars, according to most establishment estimates, on wars against Israel's enemies in the Middle East. So today, uh, the U.S. is about to lose its empire, largely because of its support for this accelerated uh, genocide of Gaza. Virtually all American leaders are professing support for that genocide and they're risking their reputation, their country's reputation, and they're risking their freedom because they very well may be named in future war crimes prosecutions. Uh, Joe Biden is ruining his political future because about half the Democratic Party sees that this is a genocide and sides with the Palestinians, and yet Biden is giving Israel uh, total support uh, and paying for the weapons that are perpetrating this genocide. So far, well over 30,000 innocent Palestinian civilians have been massacred, the vast majority being women and children. Uh, the U.S. has also, you know, is still continuing to exert its pressure on international bodies, including the UN. The U.S. has vetoed U.S. UN resolutions more than 45 times to protect the genocidal Zionist entity. Uh, it's repeatedly gone to war against Israel's enemies. Uh, it's caused untold damage and killed millions of people in Iraq, uh, Libya, and Syria, all on behalf of Israel. Uh, the uh, American government officials have helped the Israeli intelligence agency Mossad steal American government se secrets repeatedly, including and, and steal nuclear weapons. And in fact, Amer prominent Americans uh, have actually boasted, uh, Jewish Americans have boasted that they have helped steal American nuclear weapons to give to Israel. Uh, the U.S. authorities uh, have essentially rolled over. And today, uh, virtually every one of them is supporting this genocide of Gaza. Uh, this is this all is bought and paid for by Zionist money. Uh, there are hundreds of Jewish billionaires, probably between a third and a half of the billionaires in the United States are Jewish, and they're almost all strongly pro-Israel partisans. 
there are hundred, hundreds of thousands of Jewish millionaires in the United States, a great many of whom are pro-Israel partisans. And then the average Jew in America earns a six-figure income. So there are a lot of uh, pretty well-off people, and many of those people are very active lobbyists. So this, the Israeli lobby uh, is a really the biggest single pressure group in Washington and basically has, has completely taken over the U.S. government uh, by campaign, so-called campaign contributions, which are really bribes. And then this history that I've mentioned of, of these um, illegal, these criminal operations like assassinations, false flag attacks, and so on, they've terrorized the governing class in the United States. And so everybody, including uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the son of a man who was murdered by Israel, is so terrorized by the Zionists that he feels it necessary to pretend to be more pro-Israel than anybody else. So that, that's just kind of a, a very brief <laughs> summary of how badly um, Zionism and Israel have corrupted uh, American politics. And we could get into the cultural side of it as well. There are all sorts of different avenues we could explore. But I'll stop and let you guys uh, direct me towards what you're interested in. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, we'll take questions. Um, one thing I just want to ask you before we get kind of go to, to the audience, um, how many how many Zionists are behind like in Israel? Are how many people are Zionists? I see a lot of uh, like wasn't there a million Israelis marching against Netanyahu recently? Uh, I mean, how many you think uh, are really supporting what the government is doing right now? Well, you know, in Israel, there's some bad news. And, and some bad news, basically. Uh, it's all bad news. However, the world Jewish population, including Jewish population in the United States, uh, the biggest Jewish population outside of Israel, is actually split. Uh, but starting with Israel, it's just unbelievable. The You have roughly 95% of Israeli Jews supporting this genocide. And some, I forget whether it's you know 75, 70 or 80% or something like that, thinking it should be even worse than it is. Uh, so Israeli public opinion is rabidly genocidal. Israeli Jewish public opinion. Remember, Jews represent only about 80% about of the population of Israel. The other 20% is mostly uh, Arab Palestinian. And they have a very different view, since it's their people who are being uh, genocidally massacred. Um, but among the Jewish population of Israel, it's virtually 100%, uh, not quite. There are, you know, there are very few voices of conscience, uh, and God bless them. <laughs> but let's, the vast majority are, are just utterly and completely genocidal. You know, they're, they're like the caricature of the Nazis under Hitler, which, of course, was not true at all. <laughs> uh, but if you imagine the paranoid Jewish view of what Nazis under Hitler, Hitler were like, and then take that to the hundredth power. That's what Israeli Jews are like. So it's just it's it's horrendous. Uh, and, and yes, some are anti-Netanyahu, but that doesn't mean they're anti-genocide. They just want to have a different kind of genocide. They want somebody else to lead the genocide. Uh, in the United States, it's very different. In the United States, as I mentioned, that it's top. The Jewish community is top heavy with Zionists. The richer you are, the more powerful you are if you're Jewish, the more likely you're going to be Zionist. The ordinary folks, not so much. And the younger ones, not so much at all. So the population is really split. The Jewish population has already been, you know, Israel has been losing the support of American Jews, especially younger American Jews, 
for, for decades. And it's really losing it now. There are more and more young Jews who are beginning to follow people like Max Blumenthal, who exposed all these Israeli lies about this, you know, 40 beheaded babies and mass rapes, all this complete BS uh, about the October 7th uh, raid by Hamas uh, that break out from their concentration camp. Uh, and there are a lot of a lot of young Jews are about on that same wavelength with Max uh, Blumenthal. And uh, there are polls now showing that the majority of young Americans between 18 and 24 uh, basically want to end the state of Israel. <laughs> and that pro probably among Jewish young Americans, it's not all that different from among all young Americans. So young American yeah. Jews are waking up to the evil that their elders have perpetrated and that the Israeli, their Israeli uh, co-religionists have perpetrated. And that's that's the one thing that's really heartening. But as far as Israeli Jews go, at this point, they're hopeless. Mm, okay, thank you. Um, Charles Ford, your hand is up. Well, I think I have to... You should yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to ask any questions. Uh, what's been said speaks for itself. But I do have a statement that I want to make uh, in defense of Zionism for the speaker to uh, consider and respond to. The definition of a Zionist has changed over time and is often used with different and at times conflicting meanings. For our discussion today, a Zionist is anyone that believes the land of Israel belongs to God and that he has reserved it for his people to occupy forever. They further believe that God's word and God are one and the same as stated in the book John chapter one. A Zionist also believes his word, God's word, that says he entered into a covenant with Abraham and for his word's sake, he will honor that covenant. He says the land is his and that his people, the Jews, shall occupy. The Declaration of Independence states that the signatories held that certain truths are self-evident. One of them is that they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Who is this creator? He is not Vishnu, nor Allah, nor Gaia, nor Samarimus, nor Buddha. This creator God so named and called upon by the founding fathers as the grant toward of unalienable rights is the Judeo-Christian God. He is Shaddai, Jehovah, Elohim, Yahweh, or even Adonai. The God created and granted us unalienable rights when he created us. These rights are enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and structured in the Constitution that follow. God's word is the Bible and Torah. All of his combined created a natural-born citizen. Natural refers to God's word in the Bible and the natural law that stems from as he is the sole author of nature. That same creator God states again and again in his word that he has a covenant with Abraham. This same God has said the land belongs to him and that his people shall occupy it eternally. Today, just as God has said and predicted, they do occupy the land, but only a portion. Most of God's land set aside for them is indeed occupied, but not by his people. This includes, but is not entirely limited to West Bank, Jordan, Gaza, Lebanon, a small piece of Turkey, a bit of Egypt, to the first natural division of the Nile River, northern Saudi Arabia, and all of Syria from Damascus and the Euphrates West. Those that deny God's word and this also have no grounds for ever believing they can have unalienable rights. Both require a creator God that is absolute, righteous, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. If God can revoke his word on his land and his people, he can also revoke his word on granting unalienable rights. These rights then become revocable privilege. Not so. Sure. What's your question? And he and his word are one. If the Jews have no claim to the land, 
then no American has a claim to unalienable rights. That is my statement. I have nothing else to say to the bald-faced lies that this speaker has said today. If we had time, we had several hours, I could undress each and every lie that he stated. But I, we don't have the time. I'm not in a position to do it today. But this, this no, gentleman... Thank I, you. I, I kind of thank feel you. like... I've, I feel like I've just sat through a sermon by a preacher who isn't even a high school graduate in Podunk, Kansas or something. Uh, you know, it's it's just really sad the way that the Schofield Bible, which was funded by the Rothschild family uh, and promulgated among the less educated segment of American Christians, was used to brainwash people like the speaker into siding with the Antichrist, uh, because that's what he's doing here. Um, the brief, you know, I, I'm not quite sure where to start with this, but I guess first we could note that uh, in terms of scientific evidence, uh, the people of Palestine today are the descendants of the ancient Jewish people, and they are descendants of the family of Jesus, peace upon him. There's no question about that, that, that the, today's Jews are not the descendants of those people of the Old Testament. They just are not. Uh, the European Jews have at least half, according to even you know Zionist uh, studies, of European uh, DNA. Okay, so they're at the very most fifty percent Middle Eastern, and there's no evidence that they descended from the people of ancient Palestine. It's absolutely certain that there was no. Uh, forced uh, dispersal from Palestine by the Romans. Didn't happen. Yes, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem. And yes, a small group of the survivors left Jerusalem, but they there's no evidence they went very far. And these nonsensical myths about millions and more than a million Jews, uh, you know, somehow being transported somewhere <laughs> from Palestine are ridiculous. They, they couldn't possibly have happened given the technology of the time. Uh, and there's no record of them. These civilizations kept extensive written records. There's no record of anything like that happening. So there's, so we know that today's Palestinians are the uh, people, descendants of the family of Jesus and the descendants of the people of the Old Testament, you know, or the people of ancient you know, Judea and Samaria. Those are the Palestinians. Uh, so this notion, this, all of this crazy mythology that liars have dreamed up over the years, and, and an awful lot of religious mythology, and including some re religious mythology in Islam, the religion I profess, uh, people are storytellers. And it's just, it's not accurate. But this particular myth of the so-called Jewish chosen people supposedly returning to their homeland, which is a complete lie, uh, has been used to justify these horrendous crimes that I was talking about earlier. And it's really important to debunk uh, this, to study and, and learn that this Schofield Bible, Rothschild uh, demonic myth uh, is, is simply uh, not true. And, and then secondly, in terms of who are God's people and who aren't God's people, I think it, given that the Palestinians are the, the ancient Jews, the descendants of the ancient Jews are today's Palestinians, no, they, nobody ever left, nobody went anywhere. Uh, they simply converted to Christianity and or Islam, uh, most of them. And some of them remain Jews. There are still, you know, there are some Palestinian Jews who've 
been in Palestine for a very long time, but most a lot of them were massacred too by the invaders, the Zionist invaders from Europe who, who created the, the Zionist project. Uh, but, but this notion that some group is like genetically the chosen people, in this case, it would have to be the Palestinians are the chosen people. They're, they are the descendants of the ancient Hebrews, uh, is ridiculous. Uh, the, anybody who follows a religion believing that one group of people is genetically chosen by God over everybody else is psychotic. I mean, God doesn't play favorites. God only cares whether you're a good person or not. And the only uh, favor that God shows uh, is in you know to people who are pious, pious and do good works, people who have good hearts and they do good things. And so if you want to be God's chosen person, do good things and have a good heart. And the first thing you should do is hate evil. And when you see women and children being massacred by the tens of thousands, you should hate that with your heart and then you should try to stop it. And then you'll be coming closer to being the kind of person God wants, that is a chosen person. Um, so anyway, it's, it's really sad to hear people that have been so brainwashed by genocidal mythology, financed by the most evil cabal of Satanists in all of history, the Rothschild family and their friends. Yeah. Um, you know, the Torah, I'm looking at the comments a little bit. Thank you, Kevin. The Torah, the Bible, every version, Quran, I'm sorry. I know today everybody on our show everybody watching will look at read the paper read the magazines read the headlines and say hmm you know i'll take that with a grain of salt because we find out a lot of there are a lot of lies being propagated uh, a lot of mistruths disinformation misinformation but we can go back and look at a book thousands of years old and say this is the gospel nobody's touched it you know no one's changed it it's it's we're, this is the same version that was, let's say, handed down from God. I don't know. I have I have a problem with that. But anyway, let's go. Uh, Char, Charlie, your hand is up. Um, got a couple of questions, Kevin. Uh, thank you for that uh, wonderful presentation. Um, on the um, ethnic connection with Israel, I guess that gets to Arthur Kessler's book, The Thirteenth Tribe, and the possible genesis of European Jews from Khazaria, uh, dispersed uh, by Russia and the Mongols uh, around um, 1000 AD. And I know that's controversial. Uh, that's an endless topic. You know, where where does my family of Jewish Germans come from who migrated to America at the 48 revolution, you know, when, when the bulk of Germans came over here in 1848, that's when my family came over. Mm -hmm. um, my questions are solutions. Um, so RFK was terrified, and it was it was obvious in that pregnant pause of his. I'm sure everyone saw it uh, when Dave Smith asked him about the extent of Israeli influence in our government. Uh, and you outlined pretty accurately, I think, you know why he's such a uh, a newfound born again Zionist now. I mean, he's got to have some serious fear. Um, how do we get to a peaceful solution? You know, there have been two state uh, negotiations that almost worked, but then were sabotaged for whatever reason. Um, you mentioned Zionist uh, influence in the founding of the Fed uh, and our tragic involvement in World War One in 1913, probably the worst year in our history, income tax, uh, direct election of senators. Um, you know, if we end the Fed, for example, uh, you know, closing off the spigot 
of endless financing for everything government does. I think that would help. Uh, I think non-interventionism, getting in a bipartisan agreement on that would help. Um, you know, you know, forcing the players on the field to negotiate without so much foreign uh, gamesmanship in Israel. What are your thoughts on that tough nut to, to, to solve, bringing peace to the region so, you know, the, to end the violence? Well, yeah, you mentioned the, the Hazarian question, but I'll, I'll, I'll skip that. That's, I think that's too, too complicated really to, to get into. But as far as the monetary question, uh, Jews uh, who, according to the latest Ron Unz article on this, which I highly recommend, uh, could be descended from Phoenicians and uh, uh, and people uh, from Carthage. Which, um, that's a that's one hypothesis that I think is is kind of a an elephant in the room. Interesting hypothesis: the people of Carthage and the Phoenicians were very bright. They invented the modern alphabet and very good traders. Uh, they had these long distance trading networks around the Mediterranean, and uh, certainly Jews inherited that. Jews didn't inherit the, I mean, the original Jews, the people of Palestine, were peasants for the most part, and they had a priestly class. And the vast majority of those people obviously remained in Palestine and became the, uh, uh, the progenitors of today's Palestinians. So again, I repeat once again, the ancient descendants of the ancient Hebrews are today's Palestinians. Uh, so Jews who may or may not be partly Khazars and things like that, uh, may or may not be uh, descended from Phoenicians and so on. They certainly trade like Phoenicians. They're really good at setting up long distance trade networks and then that requires finance. So Jew these Jewish communities uh, developed skills in finance uh, over the centuries. And by the time that Europe became uh, a leading you know, global innovator and the wealthiest part of the world, uh, Jewish trade networks had become extremely powerful. Jewish finance had become extremely powerful. And so uh, by the time we got to the founding of the Federal Reserve, the major banking di dynasties of Europe were mostly Jewish. And so those were the people who created the American Federal Reserve for the most part. Uh, and that's one of the reasons for Western support for, for this genocide project in Palestine, because the money, <laughs> the, the big money in the West uh, is on the side of people who have a dog in the fight. Uh, so if we ended the Fed, would that solve this problem uh, in, uh, in Palestine, which again is, is leading towards even bigger wars and possibly even World War III? Because it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a, I didn't mention that in the first part about why Zionism is bad for America, but I should quickly mention now that dragging uh, America into World War III uh, through pitting uh, basically 10 million Jews, counting the worldwide Jews, or, you know, 7 million Israeli Jews against, you know, 500,000 people in the region, or five, I'm sorry, 500 million people in the region, 2 billion Muslims, where maybe you know, 7 billion people, 6 billion people in the global South. I mean, that's a situation where a super powerful, tiny minority, those, you know, say, you know, 7 to 10 million Jews are taking on billions of other people who have less power, but collectively having that many people gives them power and being supported by the vast majority of the world's population gives them power. So we have this intractable conflict 
that the U.S. has jumped in on one side of, the Zionist side, and that is inexorably dragging, it's a factor at least pushing us towards World War III. Now, the geopolitics is about to reset. The West is about to lose its global predominance, and the U.S. is the big power in the West. It's going to lose its global predominance. Now, can it do it peacefully and gracefully, or is it going to drag the world into nuclear Armageddon? Well, the, the factor of Zionism, the genocide project in Palestine, that is absolutely hated by billions of people, but supported by this small handful of millions of the world's most powerful people, that's going to you know, push the U.S. towards World War III. So that, that's a huge re reason to, uh, to decouple the U.S. from the Zionist project. And can we do that by lessening the power of the banksters, lessening the power of uh, financiers in general? Yes, I think so. Um, I think that going to public rather than private finance, making money creation a public utility, and then to some extent allowing for a free market money creation system running parallel to the uh, kind of the, the statist, uh, shall we say, uh, money creation system as a public utility, if that, that, that could help. Getting, that is taking away the monopoly power of the current bankster cabal. Uh, would very much undercut the power, the money power that's been used to fund this very, very dangerous and damaging uh, Zionist project. And then okay. um, the, the third yeah. part of the RFK fear. Uh, right. That pregnant pause of his before answering the question from Dave Smith on Israeli excessive influence in the government. Yeah, thank Do you. you want to talk too. about do you want to talk about that excessive fear folks have to broaching this topic or sticking the neck out to try and challenge it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for directing me to that video clip. That was quite uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think that five seconds of sort of deer in the headlights uh, freezing by RFK Jr. is a really good illustration of the way people in general react to these things. Uh, you know, there are these taboo topics. And the biggest taboo topics, if you look, if you just stop and think about it for a minute, are taboo topics that have been made taboo by Jewish Zionist power, right? Uh, you know, take, for instance, the Holocaust. Um, yesterday here in Paris, France, I, my wife and I were walking uh, through the, um, the uh, what's it called, the, the Hotel des Invalides grounds, and then this, these farmer protesters came by, honking their horns, and there was like a hay truck and all this, these farm vehicles, tractors and stuff. Uh, it was the European farmer protest. So my wife and I were like, yeah, that's great. We're going to go out and be, you know, taking pictures of them. And this guy uh, yeah, come, comes up to me, this farmer guy, really hilarious kind of caricature of a French, you know, kind of a descendant of French farmers, really uh, fun guy. I got to know him a little bit. Anyway, Didier. Uh, yeah, he's, he comes up to me, he says, uh, in French, I'll give you five euros if you scream, moro vache. Now, vache is, it's cow, it means cows in French, but it's like the pigs. So it's, he wants me to, and there are these cops going by. He wants me to yell death to the, the pigs as the cops are going by. Uh, <laughs> so I, 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 uh, I, I laughed a little. Then I, I, I said to you, I said, I'll give you 50 euros if, if, you, uh, if you yell, uh, there were no gas chambers. <laughs> and he kind of froze a little bit like RFK Jr. did in the video. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that just illustrates, I think, that 
you know, what's the most taboo topic? Actually, the Holocaust really is. It's become a new religion. Uh, and historians who challenge the official account are imprisoned here in Europe. In fact, here in France, if I right now said, said that I didn't believe the official account, theoretically, I could be exposed to being in prison. And guess what? I'm going to break the law, commit civil disobedience, and say, I'm not convinced by the official account. Uh, I'm not denying it. I'm just saying I've looked into it. I've read the books on both sides, and I'm not convinced. <laughs> but, you know, that's like the ultimate third rail topic. Why is that? Why would that? I mean, who cares? I mean, there have been millions, so many Holocausts and genocides. Uh, you know, one's going on in Palestine right now. It's being justified by the story of what supposedly happened during World War II. There's the, you know, the Armenians, and, and there's what happened to the Chinese, the Japanese did to the Chinese during World War II, which is probably worse than what the Germans did to the Jews, or at least as bad. Uh, and, you know, we could go on and on, right? Whole cities firebombed to death by the Allies during World War II, and, and 60 million people killed by the U.S. empire since World War II in wars and CIA interventions. And we could just go on and on and on. And Stalin may have killed a lot more people in a, you know, his genocide or whatever than Holodomor and so on than Hitler did. Who knows? But so there have been all sorts of horrific mass massacres and genocides and such. There's really only one of them that there's this huge taboo about and people go to jail for having the wrong opinions about it. Why is that? Right? So, you know, there's that apocryphal Voltaire saying, which Voltaire never said, you know, ask who, you know, who rules over you. And uh, it's the one that you're not allowed to criticize, right? So, so it's, it's really pretty obvious that, that, uh, that that's why everybody freezes up like RFK Jr. did, like, you know, deer in the headlights when any Jewish power related topic comes up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in agree agreement there. Um, actually, before Murray, before he comes up, uh, I get to you. Have you read the Thirteenth Tribe? Uh, uh, I've read it a long. Arthur. Um, Arthur uh, Kessler. Yeah. Yeah, Arthur Kessler. I read that a long time ago. Okay. I'm, I'm not 100 percent convinced, though, by the the Hazar hypothesis. It's. But, but I think there's some interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, some interesting stuff in there that about like you were saying earlier how many jews are really jews how many were converted you know europeans or mongols or whatever was going on back in well it's a religion i mean how many christians are really christians how many muslims are really muslims how many buddhists are really buddhists i yeah. mean judaism is really a religion this idea that it's an ethnicity and it's descended it's your dna that's ridiculous yeah yeah murray murray Sabin, you're up hi jim uh hi uh, charlie and uh, kevin thank you for your presentation as a uh, son of Holocaust survivors. I'm intrigued with what you had to say. And um, I'd like to do some more reading on this topic since I have my personal perspective from my father's experiences during World War II in Poland, where he barely escaped death after fighting the Nazis for five years. And uh, you can read his memoir called We Dare to Live. It's available on Amazon. I don't get any royalties from it. My bro older brother had it translated. Having said that, uh, I have a copy in front of me of an 18-page article. You may be familiar with it or not. It's very old. I don't have the date. It was written by Mr. Libertarian uh, Murray Rothbard entitled The Zionist Conquest of American Opinion. I don't know if it's available online, but Charlie, I can scan it and get a copy to you and you could send it out to whoever's interested in it. This paper, um, Rothbard died in January of 1995. So this was written possibly after the 67 day war, after the 73 Yom Kippur war, I don't know, cause it's not dated, but he points out 
practically exactly what uh, Kevin just pointed out, namely that uh, Zionism, the Zionist, uh, the pro-Zionist factions uh, uh, have controlled American public opinion for decades. Uh, and so uh, it's just fascinating. And if I could get uh, Char uh, Kevin to send Charlie to forward to us some of the uh, documentation of some of the uh, really important points that he made, I'd love to see it because I was a history major and I'm always trying to learn about history that I don't know about. And um, and so in my Substack column, I was thinking of writing an article which uh, Kevin's material would help me uh, greatly. Namely, I was gonna entitle it, was the creation of a Jewish state a mistake? And I think what he outlines, uh, if all of it could be documented, I, I don't like to write long Substack pieces. That's how I've written several books on different topics. But uh, with links to these uh, uh, objective historical uh, uh, evidence, I think it's a great service to tell the American people that uh, uh, having, quote, a Jewish state in the middle of the Arab world uh, was not the smartest thing to do, given what Kevin just outlined, that it was not an immaculate conception. And uh, what he brought up about Harry Truman, I found fascinating. We knew he comes from the... Um, he comes from the uh, Pendergrass uh, uh, mob in Kansas City, uh, but I didn't know that uh, he got $2 million in, in a, however he got it uh, to support the state of Israel. So, uh, so Kevin, you have a website I see here, Kevin's newsletter, and um, I, I'd Substack. love to go through it. Oh, it's Substack. Oh, fantastic. That's even better. I'd be happy to link to uh, share this with my uh, small audience that I have. But um, there are people that are just unwilling to think critically about uh, the state of Israel. And, uh, the, and what, the point I would like to make, being a libertarian for more than 50 years now, if someone talks to me about uh, land and um, other uh, forms of property, I want to see the contract or the property deed. Otherwise, what you're telling me is, as they say in Yiddish, bubamises, fairy tales. I want to see the deed because a deed means that something has been transferred from the owner to an, a new owner. So unless we see deeds, I'm not interested uh, really in some biblical um, um, uh, assertion that uh, God has deeded the land to the Jewish people. And, and if, as, as we know, who are the Jewish people of today versus uh, when this supposedly uh, uh, assertion took place uh, thousands of years ago? So Kevin, I'd like to, I'm going to read more about your articles on Substack, and I just find it fascinating, not only from from a from a perspective of a son of a Holocaust survivors, but from a, an American citizen. And I just shared Jordan Schachtel's piece about Ukraine aid to my Substack. Uh, Charlie, you may have gotten it this morning uh, about Ukraine aid, and I said if people really want Ukraine aid and aid to Israel, then they should have a 100% surcharge on their income taxes to support this. In other words, that would be true democracy. Instead of us non-interventionists having to support something that is beyond the pale in terms of our political and ideological uh, perspective. And uh, I said members of Congress should have their salaries cut in half by 50% in order to support the Ukraine aid or Israel aid. Because this is one of the problems we're having in this country is interventionism that Ron Paul ran a, two political campaigns on, actually three if you consider his uh, libertarian campaign in 1988. Interventionism has been the bane of 
the world. I don't care who does it. Uh, whatever has to the concept of live and let live and uh, the golden rule. And I would think that the um, that the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal, should be our uh, lodestar for the way we should lead our lives. And if we don't do that, no matter what your religious perspective is, um, we can see the conflict all over the world today. And uh, Kevin, I want to thank you for your presentation. I look forward to reading your Substack and um, sharing it with uh, m uh, my audience. Thank you. I look forward to it, too. I, and I'd be happy to send you some sources for some of those assertions I made, which, of course, are pretty far outside the mainstream. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But and as far as far as the, the gas chambers thing goes, uh, I it's, it's really important to point out that uh, essentially everybody agrees that there were these internment camps and work camps uh, that were set up by the Nazis, that the Nazi regime was extremely racist. And that a lot of people ended up in those camps uh, on racial racial grounds as well as various kinds of other grounds. So yes, the you know the German regime was was very racist, and it did set up these camps. And a lot of people did die in those camps. Uh, you know the question you know arguments about how they died and how many died are really the the issue that gets debated. But nobody debates that there really were such camps. And I don't think anybody should debate that the German regime was extremely racist. You know, there's some people who try to uh, avoid that or, or sugarcoat it. But, uh, but yeah, I'd be happy to send you uh, information on those points I made. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thank you, Murray. Um, if there are no other questions, I don't see any other hands up. Uh, Kevin, any other websites, your Substack we have, we put it in the chat. Any other way people can follow you, reach you, or anything, any final words you want to share with the audience? Well, yeah, again, the, the Substack is probably the best. I do have a bunch of books out as well. I, I don't have anything fresh out since uh, I translated Lauren, Lauren Guyano's book uh, From Yahweh to Zion, uh, which was published maybe, what, four years, five years ago. And that's actually an interesting read uh, in terms of its analysis of uh, Jewish history. In Jewish ideology. It's a critical analysis that's actually aimed at uh, trying to convince uh, Jewish people to wake up to and push back against the a, a certain uh, negative side of, of their heritage, the extremely tribalist ethnocentric side, which you know we see morphed into Zionism and is, is you know creating these terrible problems in Palestine. So that book is, is from Yahweh to Zion. Uh, the author's name is Guyano, G-U-Y-E-N-O-T. And he has also written, I think, maybe the best brief introductions to the case that Israel killed the Kennedys and was largely responsible for 9-11. Uh, so he has an article on each of those topics, which would be much, very much, if you Google those topics with his name, Guyano, G-U-Y-E-N-O-T, uh, you'll, you'll get sort of the introduction to, to that. Um, and then finally, uh, again, my false flag weekly news show, I guess you can get, to, get to that through the Substack, uh, but you can also go to truthjihad.com, which is the, it's, it's a website as opposed to the Substack, and you can find the false flag weekly news link there and the link to my radio shows. And tell us about that false flag weekly news. I think you do a pretty good job commenting on the news of the day with a special guest each week. Yeah, I think that started in 2013 or so. 
uh, I think Jim Fetzer was the first uh, co-commenter with me. And so we, we had a bunch of people, Tony Hall, uh, a bunch of people with PhDs have, have done that. So two of us go through about 30 uh, of the most illuminating news stories of each week. And we try to, you know, it's, it's an hour long show, so we have to go pretty fast. And we kind of toss it back and forth with a lot of banter and, and humor, including a lot of dark humor, because what else can you do with the news we're seeing these days? Uh, and so it's a good roundup. Like if, you, if you're interested in sort of, you know, getting a sense of what was in the news this week and getting a reasonably entertaining uh, um, approach to it from a red pill perspective, I think it's a, it's a pretty good show.